afternoon, church. Welcome to the first Sunday of 2012. See, all things are possible in Ethiopia. If you had a bad 2012, seven years ago, well, now you get an opportunity to redeem the time. Amen. Amen. And if you had a good 2012, then you can just make it all better again. Praise God. Uh, open up your Bibles to the book of Ruth. We'll be in chapter number one. What we're going to be doing, if you, once you open up your Bible, I want you to leave it there because we're going to sort of be going back and forth and uh, following along with the text today as we uh, deliver the message. We're going to be in chapter 1, verses through 19 through 22. Then we're going to be in chapter 2, and there we'll be in verses 1 through verse 10. I, I, I want to first just read uh, verse number 19, and then we'll pray, then we'll start our text. Chapter 1, verse number 19. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? So last week we were on the road to Bethlehem. Remember that? They were on the road to Bethlehem. They, they got a, a prompt by the word that came to them that God was visiting Bethlehem, and they responded to the prompt, and they began to go on their way to Bethlehem in the middle of the road. They had a situation. Tell this to nudge your neighbor and say, I'm in the middle of something. I'm in the middle. Of, I, I'm not where I was. I'm not where I'm going, but I'm in the middle of something. Amen. But uh, this week, last week we were on the road to Bethlehem. This week we're coming into Bethlehem. Amen. See, God is moving fast. Tell your neighbor and say, I'm coming in. I don't know about you. I was telling the last service, I just sense in my spirit that we're coming into something, that we're not where we were. I can't fully describe where we are, but I can tell you by the unction of the spirit that we are not where we were, that you may be living in the same address, but you have, you've come into something different, something has shifted, something has changed. We're just not where we were. I don't know, I don't know who's, who that bears witness to, but I have been really, I've been really praising God, thanking God. My spirit just bears witness inside of me that we've just came into something. Amen. And, and if your spirit bears witness, I, I invite you to rejoice. And in fact, if, that, if, that's, if, that, if you sense that, I want you to just begin to give God a praise. If you begin to say, you, you, you know, you're wearing the same clothes, you're in the same address, but you know something changed, something shifted. You're not where you were. Your, your spirit shifted. The seasons have shifted. Something, something moved, something changed. I just know that I didn't, I'm not going back to life the way it was before something changed. We crossed into something. Hallelujah. So I want to speak to you from the subject today, coming into Bethlehem coming into Bethlehem. Father God, we thank you so much, my God, for where would we be without you, my God? My God, we thank you that the Spirit bears witness in our spirit. We thank you, my God, that you have not left us, my God, without a word. And we thank you that, my God, the former things have taken place. My God, but behold, you are doing a new thing. 
Now it springs up. We sense it. We know it. Father God, we thank you right now. I pray that, my God, as we embark upon this new thing, that may this word be a compass, my God, to guide us, my God, and to lead us, my God, for we have never been this way before, my God. We don't lean upon our past experience, my God, to define what you're doing in us right now. Father God, we pray that, my God, that you're, this word would sensitize us to where you've brought us. My God, that you, would, that you would orientate us to the movings and the promptings of where you're leading. I pray as I open up my mouth, my God, I pray that your power would be made perfect in weakness. And my God, as I open up my, my mouth, you would set grace upon it. And I pray that though it's my mouth moving, let it be your spirit speaking, my God into every life, into every issue, my God, into every circumstance and situations. I don't know what they're going through, my God, but yet, my God, I know that you know, and I pray that you deliver the word where it matters the most. And we thank you now, my God, we commit this time to you now. We invite you to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to read... Uh, Start in verse number 19 again. And it says, Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened. Somebody said, it happened. Yeah, you've been waiting a long time, but it happened. There is a moment where it happens. And there's a moment where it's no longer a journey. It happens. And now it, and it happened. And when they had come to Bethlehem, that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? My God, there's so much here. I'm so tempted to go, but I, I got to stay on track so we finish on time. But she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has de dealt very bitterly with me. And we talked about last week. There, there, there's, it's amazing how much the enemy can begin to lie to you using the circumstances that you're in. But, but this is where she was at. She said, uh, the, the, all, the Almighty has dealt, dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? By the way, Naomi means pleasant, Mara means bitter. So she, she, she's saying that, why you call me pleasant? You, I'm bitter because... I left full, and I came back empty. And out of everything she said, that, that, that thought that she exclaimed sort of caught my attention. I thought it was an interesting uh, testimony, an interesting declaration that she left full and came back empty. Because if you remember, the reason they left was because of a famine. And Naomi is testifying that even though they were in a famine, they were able to leave full in spite of the famine. And I realized that, that sometimes we don't even realize how God has been keeping us, how he's been providing for us, how he has been blessing us even in spite of the most difficult of situations, that sometimes we don't have a real appreciation for how full God has made us. 
until you look back over your shoulder and look at God's faithfulness in your life and you realize just how full you really were. That sometimes you're so caught up and worried about what you didn't have that you fail to stop and look and be, and, and be thankful and grateful for what you did have and how God was providing for you despite the famine that you are full despite the famine, how God is protecting you and sheltering you despite the storm. And sometimes just maybe, maybe if we could stop and be thankful for what God did provide, it would have given us the strength to wait for the greater blessing that God was going to bring into our life. And Naomi said, wait a second, wait a second. I know we were in famine. I know we're in famine, but, but even though it was famine, we, come, to think of it, come to think of it, we, were not, we weren't empty. We left full. Despite the famine, we didn't really lack for anything. God made us full despite the famine. And, and I'm sure that she was thinking to herself, I wish I recognized then what I know now. Because maybe if we had recognized how full we were, it would have given us the strength we needed to wait and stay and trust God in Bethlehem. This is the powerful thing because see, this is why I believe that Jesus, Jesus, when he needed to feed the 5,000 and he only had two fish and five loaves of bread to feed the 5,000, instead of focusing upon what he didn't have, he lifted up what he did have and gave thanks for what God had provided in his hand instead of focusing upon what was not in his hands, that sometimes when you are faced with a need, that before you start trying to wrestle and grapple with the need, maybe you should start by being thankful for what is in your hands. And thankfulness will begin to open your eyes to God's faithfulness around you so that you would have the strength of faith that you need to trust God for the, the, the need that's in front of you. Because this is the powerful thing about Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving will give you perspective. Because sometimes when you focus upon the need, you can get so lost in the need and you, get, you lose perspective and you're so filled with worry and doubt because you've lost, the need has caused you to lose perspective. But thanksgiving opens your eyes to God's faithfulness and God's goodness in your life. That's why on the road to Emmaus, if you remember, the Bible says he was on the road to Emmaus and he lifted up the bread and he broke it and gave thanks. And when he gave thanks, the Bible says their eyes opened. Because thanksgiving opens up the world of perspective. And I've, and I've preached this many times that one of the greatest blessings that God can give to your life is not money, it's not a new car, it's not a new house. One of the greatest blessings that God can give to your life is perspective. Perspective will change your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I pray that God would begin to take a wrecking ball to all the worry and the fear, the, the, the walls of worry and fear that the enemy has surrounded your life with that's keeping you from recognizing God's goodness in your life. That's what Naomi was saying. Worry and fear was robbing her of perspective, robbing her from the, uh, the viewpoint of how God had made them full and how full they really were. I believe this is why the Bible talks to us about contentment contentment. Sometimes in our Pentecostal world, that's almost a curse word, contentment. That there is a balance 
between being thankful and content with what's in your hand as you trust God for the increase of what's in your hands. Tell your neighbors it's balance. I don't believe contentment means that I'm not believing God for more and I'm not believing God to bring better. But it means that you are being thankful for what you have in between so that you don't allow the anxiety of what you don't have to rob you of the faith of what you're pursuing. Because thankfulness is the key that gives right perspective of who God is in your life. Because if you cannot be thankful and grateful and recognize God's faithfulness in, in your today, how are you going to trust God for what you are believing for tomorrow? Oh, that was good stuff. That was a good amen point. Because if you cannot be grateful for the now, how are, you gonna, how are you believing God for your tomorrow? If you can't see God now. Let's go to verse 22. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Tell your neighbor, says, it's just beginning. I'm just beginning. <laughs> this is just the beginning. He brought them in. It's just the beginning. Hallelujah. And see, the, the barley harvest was significant because it was the first crop and the first harvest after winter. Uh, it, the barley harvest was actually the harvest of the Passover. Every one of the feasts of Israel was connected to a specific harvest. And, this, and the barley harvest was the, was the harvest of Passover. In fact, harvest, is so, it is so crucial in the scripture. You, you, see, you see every a lot of things related to harvest. In fact, you will see the return of the Lord described as a harvest. And the angels took the sickle and they harvested. You, you, you remember that? It, it's related to harvest. In fact, it, maybe this is just a side note. You can, you can, you can jot it down. What's interesting, both, both Pentecost and Passover have found their fulfillment in the harvest. What's remaining is the Feast of Tabernacle is the, only, is the only feast that has not found its prophetic fulfillment because it is, it is connected to the return of Christ. The barley harvest was of particular importance because it set up and empowered the rest of the harvest throughout the year. Because one of the main uses of barley at that time, was they used it as feed to feed their horses and their ox, oxen. Without the barley, they had nothing to feed their oxen with. And if you did not have strong oxen, you could not plow the ground again and sow the seed for the next harvest. So, so the barley harvest was, was important to the cycle of the harvest throughout the year. And what God put upon my heart is that the harvest that God is about to bring us into is not going to be a one-time blessing. It's not a one-time harvest, but rather it is going to be a harvest that sets you up. It's going to be a harvest that sets you up for a cycle of harvest, a cycle of blessing. Tell your neighbor and tell you it's a cycle. It's a cycle. This is not just a provision of one moment. This is not a harvest that's going to take you up and bring you back down again. But this harvest is going to set you up for a cycle, 
a, a different cycle. The old cycle is finished. And God is setting you up for a new cycle. A new, a, a new form of blessing where, where it, it is not something that starts and ends, but it's a perpetual cycle, a cycle that continues. The famine has ended, and now the barley harvest has come to set you up for a cycle of blessing in your life. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbors to get ready for a new cycle. That's good. Get ready for a new cycle. I'm finished with the old cycle. I, I, I thank God for how he provided for me in the old cycle, but that cycle is finished, and God is setting up a new cycle. Hallelujah. 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 It's a cycle. He's going to feed your oxen. Tell your name he's going to feed your oxen. He's going to strengthen your oxen. Yeah, it's going to give you new ideas that strengthen your oxen, new creativity that, that, that strengthens your oxen. You're no longer going to have ideas and not have the provision to fulfill it. Yeah, yeah, he's going to give you, he's going to give you provision for your oxen, provision for your ideas, provision for your creativity. He's going to strengthen, he has feed for your oxen. I'm speaking, I don't know who I'm speaking to. Tell your neighbor, to say, this is for your oxen. Chapter 2, verses, verse 1. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Tell your neighbors, here comes Boaz. Oh, here comes Boaz. Boaz just stepped into the story. Up to now, he, you could feel him, but you couldn't see him. You sensed him, but you, you, you couldn't touch him. But now Boaz is showing himself in the story. The story is about to shift dramatically because Boaz has come into the story. And when your Boaz comes into the story, look out. The whole thing will flip on its head when Boaz comes into the situation. In other versions, says the Bible says it, 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 here it says that he was a man of great wealth. Some other versions say he was a man of great standing. Another one says that he was a man of reputation. I believe all of them are true. And Boaz's name means left you in suspense there. Boaz's name means the Lord's strength is within him, and that's a whole preaching all by itself. I, I, can, I can start a whole preaching just off of his name and, and send you home and you'll be happy. You don't even realize what you have in you. The Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. You got strength in you that you don't even recognize. You have strength in you that you haven't even tapped into yet. There's something in you. You got strength that's within you. You got gifts that are within you. That's what has got the enemy confused because he presses you and you're not crushed. He tries to pull you down, but you keep getting back up. And he doesn't understand where the strength is coming from. He looks at you, and he can't understand where the strength is coming from. Remember, that's what the enemy asked Samson. They saw Samson, and the enemy asked, what is the secret of your great strength? 
Sometimes we imagine Samson as this huge muscular figure with, you know, his abs bulging and muscular and chest coming out. We imagine, but, but if he was like that, the enemy would not be asking him, where's the secret of your strength? It would be obvious. But, but the enemy is looking at him, and as they look at him, they can't find anything on the outside that can explain the strength they're seeing that's coming out of him. And they kept asking him, what's the secret of your strength? We can't see it. We can't recognize it. We can't trace it. Because the secret of your strength is not in your bank account. It's not in your education. It's not in your house. It's not in your car. The secret of your strength is the Lord is within you. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Touch your neighbor and say, the Lord's strength is within you. Yeah, the Lord's strength is within you. The Lord's strength is within you. It's within you. The Lord's strength is within you. It's not you. You're not operating by your own strength. You're not trying to walk this life in your own strength. The Lord's strength is within. In the secret place within. Hallelujah. Got a deposit that won't quit. Paul said, even when I'm weak, I'm strong because the Lord's strength is within me. Hallelujah. But for Boaz, it even has a deeper meaning than that because Boaz is in the direct genealogy of Christ. He's, his name is in the genealogy of Christ and and so when in the Gospel of Matthew begins by giving us the genealogy of Christ, it is showing us how the seed of Christ, starting from the promise given to Eve, when God said to her that the, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Well, how do I know that's Christ's seed? How do I know that's Christ? Because the woman doesn't have natural seed. It, isn't, it, was, it was a spiritual seed. It was the spiritual seed that was Christ. And that spiritual seed went from generation to generation until it came to Mary and impregnated the virgin womb of Mary. That's why she didn't need a man because it was not natural seed. It was not man's seed, but it was the spiritual seed that came from Christ. Or rather, the spiritual seed that was Christ. And so from Abraham to Jacob, from Jacob, uh, uh, I mean from Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to Jacob, from Jacob to, uh, to, to Judah, from Judah to Perez, we see, we see Christ the seed traveling from generation to generation, from one person to the next. And the seed was sojourning from one generation to the next. But every so often, you see that the seed would stop and express itself. And it's just like Jesus saying, I'm right here. Here I am. I'm just checking in to let you know I'm still here. I, every so often, he, the seed would stop, and you would see he, the, that seed, that seed of Christ express himself. He, 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 he was traveling from Abraham to Isaac, then he stopped at Isaac, and, he, and, he, and as Isaac is walking up Mount Moriah with, 
And he's walking up with the wood that was for the sacrifice, that was for the altar, that he himself would be laid upon. And he himself is carrying the wood in in the same way that Christ would carry the cross. uh, And he would carry the same cross that when he would be crucified upon, it was was the seed of Christ saying, here I am. And and, and then he comes to Joseph and, and as Joseph, the Bible says that Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery for 30 silver shekels. And he he was sold into slavery and betrayed by his brothers. And he would end up forgiving his brothers so he could could save the very ones that betrayed him. It was Christ the seed saying, here I am. Tell your neighbor, say, here I am. And that's the same thing when we see with Boaz. When he comes to Boaz, it is the seed of Christ saying, here I am. This, this, This spirit of redemption that comes through Boaz, this mission to redeem Ruth. It is, it is not necessarily Boaz the man, but it is the Lord's strength, the Lord's seed within him, reaching out through Boaz, expressing himself, reaching out to Ruth, saying, here I am. Reaching out and pulling her into his purpose, pulling her into his will, pulling her into his goodness, pulling her into his favor, pulling her in out of the darkness into his light, pulling her out of the, the kingdom that where she was in into the kingdom of the son he loved. It was, it was the spirit of Christ pulling her in and he was saying, here I am. Touch your neighbor and say, here I am. Hallelujah. Because that's what God is about to do in your life. It's not that he wasn't there, but now he's about to tell you, here I am. He's about to show himself to you. He's about to show his goodness to you. He's about to show his favor to you. Every so often, every so often, God will come and meet you in a unique way and say, here I am. I'm just checking in to let you know that I've not never left you, nor forsake you. I'm right here, and I want to show off in your life and show you that I'm here. I want to show you my my goodness. I want to show you that I'm faithful, tell your neighbor, say, here I am. Yeah, 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 here I am. In your marriage, here I am. Here I am. In your situation, here I am. In your circumstance, here I am. In your darkness, here I am. I don't know where you are, but God's about to say, here I am. In fact, I hear somebody, somebody in this place, you've been praying, you've been asking God, God, where are you? But I hear that God is about to answer you and say, here I am. I'm right here. I'm going to show myself off and show you that I'm here. Here I am. (laughs) Here I am. Every so often, God comes and says, here I am. Oh, your Redeemer is coming. Your Redeemer is coming. Ruth, your Redeemer is coming. You have no idea who is about to meet you. Your Redeemer is coming. Here I am. So as we see Boaz, I want you not only to see Boaz, but I want you to see and hear Christ through Boaz. Verse number 2 of chapter 2. It says, so Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, I don't have the coal anymore, just uh, the residue of it. So Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him whose sight I may find favor. 
So interesting. I, I, I mean, even her wording. Sometimes, you know, the, the, the Spirit of God just deposits things in you. He, he deposits faith in you. You don't even know where it's coming from. That's what I see. There's a, there's a faith. You can't, she doesn't know what's about to happen, but there's a faith about what's... She said, let me, go, let me just go glean heads of grain after him who, in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who is of the family of Elimelech. She happened to come to the part of the field that happened to belong to Boaz. What you have to understand first is that uh, what we're seeing here, uh, uh, some of us may be familiar, some may not. I don't want to take it for granted that everybody knows uh, so we can be on the same page. That uh, it was a commandment of God that all landowners, they were not supposed to reap their entire harvest but rather they were required to leave the corners uh, uh, unharvested or uh, leave it alone for the poor among them. And, they, and the poor would come and they would glean from the corners of the field. Also, the, when the reapers were harvesting, if they, as you can imagine, when they're, they're taking it by hand and they're handling the grain, sometimes there would be grain that fell to the ground. They were, they were instructed that they were not supposed to go back and try to pick that up. They were supposed to leave it there on the ground for those, the poor among them, that, that, so they could glean from it. And, and this was a responsibility given to God by all according to the blessing and the provision God has given to them to make sure that they supply it for the needs of others. It's a commandment. You understand? Tell your neighbor, say, it's a commandment. Yeah, you're not just being nice when you're taking care of the poor. You are, it, it, you are fulfilling a commandment. You're required to by God. This is a commandment. It's not necessarily optional. It was a command. They, they had to leave it alone. They, they had to leave the corners there. So, but while the reapers, they, they, they requ- they, the reapers, of course, they stayed to a particular field. Whatever field they were hired to harvest, they stayed to that field. The gleaners did not pay attention to the field that they were in. They, uh, they were not following the field, but rather they followed the gleanings. Wherever the gleanings were, the gleaners went. They weren't constrained or limited to a particular field. They just followed the provision. Are you understanding what I mean? So they just wherever the gleanings were, wherever the opportunities were, wherever the provision were, the gleaners followed the gleanings. They didn't follow the field. They followed the gleanings. So Ruth was, was following the gleanings. She was following the gleanings in one of the fields, and she didn't even know that she had left one field and came to another field. And the Bible says that as she was gleaning, she just happened to cross over. Tell your neighbor you're about to cross over. She, 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 she was just following the provision, and she crossed over to the field of Boaz. She, the Bible says she just happened. She just happened. And she just happened. She, it was just almost an accident. She accidentally came into our purpose. She wasn't even trying to go into our purpose. She, she, she was just following it, and all of a sudden, the Bible says that she, she, she just happened. That's the way sometimes God's purpose works and his blessings work. All of a sudden, you are in one thing, and you just cross over to another thing. with almost, almost you don't even realize it without almost not recognizing it. Someone sometimes has to come and wake you up and tell you, by the way, you just crossed over. This is your announcement that you just came to another field. You just came to another thing. I know you were just doing what you were supposed to be doing. You were just walking about life doing you. But all of a sudden, 
The Bible says she just happened. Tell your neighbor, say, sometimes things happen. Yeah. But it looks like it just happened. That's the way sometimes it feels. It just feels like chance. It's like you just hit the lottery somehow. You just, sometimes things change. You don't even remember how they changed or what led to the change. Just, you just know it changed. But really, nothing just happens. Nothing just happens. You understand that, right? We all know that. Nothing just happens. It may feel like that and look like it, but nothing just happens. The Bible says the steps of the righteous have been ordered of the Lord. Nothing just happens. It's been ordered. You, you, you didn't just happen into the field. Your steps have been ordered. Tell your neighbor, say, your steps have been ordered. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Proverbs 20, 24. Because it says, it says, and man's steps are directed or ordered by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? In other words, that just because I don't understand my ways does not mean that my steps are not ordered. In fact, the reason I don't understand my own ways is that I didn't order my own ways. If I ordered my own ways, I would understand my ways because I ordered it. But the re because I didn't order it, sometimes I don't, un I don't understand it because I'm not the one who ordered it. And that's what the scripture is saying, that, that sometimes though, though, though you may be confused about where your life is and where it's going and you have no idea why you are, where you are, the Bible says, rest assured that even though when you don't understand your own ways, your ways are still ordered by God. Even when you don't recognize that it's been ordered by God, tell your neighbor and preach to them and say, your ways have been ordered. You're not here by accident today. Your ways were ordered. Do you realize how your life is not a product of chance or a product of luck or a product of circumstance? Your life is a product of purpose and your steps have been ordered by God. That stuff that stuff just doesn't happen to you, that is not ordered. God has ordered your ways. Well, Pastor, how about the things? How about my mistakes? You're saying God ordered my mistakes? But it's funny. The Bible says he con in Ephesians, he says he conforms all things to the conformity, to the purpose of his, of his will. In other words, the things that he didn't order, he will conform it and shape it and align it to his order until it looks like it's all part of the plan, which is why Paul testifies all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purposes, that sometimes you can't even tell what was his will and not his will because by the time God gets done with it, he will conform it and shape it into his will. Hallelujah. So that's why you can praise God when a door opens and you can praise God when the door closes because your life has been ordered. I can rest because I know my life is, I didn't just happen, the door didn't just happen to open, neither did it just happen to close. My steps have been ordered. I can praise God at a yes, and I can praise God at a no, because I know my steps have been ordered. Hallelujah. Joseph, you were not forgotten in prison. It's just that your steps have been ordered. I know part of you, you don't even realize how you got there and why you were in this prison to begin with. 
But you, what you don't recognize right now is you have an appointment with a baker who's going to be in the prison. And you have an appointment with his dream because that's going to set up another appointment that you have with Pharaoh and his dream. And the reason that you, the, the, the baker forgot about you, because if he released you right now, you would be out of the prison, but you would be away from the palace. And God has... Your steps have been ordered. Tell your neighbors it's been ordered. Oh, I know it's confusing, but it's been ordered. I know you don't even know why the door closed, but your steps have been ordered. It's ordered, it's ordered, it's ordered. That'll give you peace. That'll give you joy. That'll give you perspective. My steps have been ordered. Oh, it's ordered. Stuff is not just happening to you, Joseph. I know. It just feels like stuff is happening out of your control. This thing's happening everywhere, and you don't know why they're happening. But it's been ordered. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Verse 4. Now behold. Tell your neighbor, say, now behold. Boaz came from Bethlehem. And said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answers and said, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Is it up there? Go to verse number 7. I want you to go from verse 7 to verse 10. Actually, I want you guys to read out aloud. Go, 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 go ahead, read. Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Amen. Boaz begins and he says to her, will you listen? Will you listen? Ask your neighbor and tell them, will you listen? That, because that's the real question. The real question is not whether or not God is speaking to you. The real question is, are you willing to hear what he has to say? Because, because some of us, we, we, we are praying for God. We're, we're praying and fasting for God to speak to us. But the issue is not that, with, that, that God is not speaking to us. We just, we just didn't like what he had to say. Are you understanding what I mean? He spoke to you, but you, but you, you know, he, he, he whispered something to you, but you, you don't know that's not God. That can't be God. And you push it out of your, out, out of your heart because, because really right now, we, we live in a generation that, that sort of shops for voices. We shop for voices. We don't hear voices. We shop for voices. We shop for voices that will agree with the thing that we already want to do in the first place. So we go around shopping for counsel and shopping for voices that will agree with us. And, and if, it doesn't, if, it, if it doesn't agree with what we already want to hear and what we already w want to do, we'll just go to the next church and to the next conference shopping for voices. That's why, that's why you're skimming the internet looking for sermons. You're shopping for voices. That's sort of un the unfortunate byproduct of today's technology is that you can shop for voices. And, and so you, you can't rest until you find that voice that agrees with what you already want to do. 
but that's not necessarily the way God speaks. Some, when God speaks, he doesn't tell you what you want to hear. He'll tell you what you need to hear. In fact, real leadership, sometimes it's not, it's not leading people where they want to go. It's leading them where they need to go. But we live in a generation that we poll, you know, the, the, the politicians, they poll and they find out where you want to go in the first place. And then they will say, okay, I'll take you there. But that's not the way God operates. The, democracy works great for the world, but it does not work in the kingdom of God. Will you listen? Ask your neighbor again and say, will you listen? Because the reason Boaz is sort of framing this thought to her, the way he's framing it, is because Boaz uh, sort of recognizes that what he's asking Ruth to do at face value does not seem prudent or practical to her situation. Because the, as a gleaner, you don't commit to one field. You follow the gleanings. Because one field only has a certain amount of gleanings. It only has a certain amount of corners. And when those corners are finished, the gleanings are finished. So you don't commit to one. You're not following the field. You're following the provision. You're following the gleanings. And, and so if you want to glean well, you have to hustle and go to multiple fields to find the best gleanings. In fact, you sort of have to picture this because Ruth is not the only person gleaning here. They're, 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 they're the poor at this time, they're, they're, they're there to glean. And, 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 and the gleaners are going from field to field. It's competition. Who gets to the gleanings first? Who gets to the corners first? Who gets to the best stuff first? And everybody's rushing to the different fields and rushing to the different corners to reap the gleanings. And so, but here Boaz is asking her not to go and glean in other fields, but rather stay in his field. And it sounds limiting because in the context of gleaning, this is limiting. How can you ask me to stay in one field? This field only has a certain amount of gleanings. How, how, how do you ask me to make that commitment? Are, are you understanding me? And, and that's, so that's the reason he's framing. He said, are you, going, will, are you willing to hear me out? I'm about to ask you something that doesn't make sense. I'm going to ask you to stay in one field and don't go to any other field. And see, sometimes we like to talk about God, how God expands our territory. But sometimes when you listen to him and when you're trying to obey him, it feels more like he's, what he's telling me to do is not expanding my territory but rather it feels like he is limiting my territory. Are you hearing me? That, that sometimes listening to God doesn't look like he's taking me forward. Sometimes it feels like he's holding you and pulling you back. But I realized when I was meditating upon that, I said to myself, wait a second, isn't that what an archer does to an arrow? He pulls the arrow back. He pulls it back because he, he understands in order to send that arrow forward, he has to pull the arrow back. And to the extent that he pulls the arrow back as he's stretching it backwards, as he's pulling it back, the, the level that he's able to pull it back will determine the velocity and the distance is able to go forward. So the, the archer is pulling it back, not necessarily to hold it back, but he knows as he pulls it back, he is creating the necessary energy and the necessary force to propel it forward. He's not pulling it back to hold it back. He is pulling it back to send forward. 
Is there anybody in this place? I want to talk to the people who feel that God has been pulling you back. In fact, it felt like things were going well. Then all of a sudden, it feels like God was pulling you back. You, you, you thought that you were going to get the promotion, and all of a sudden, it feels like God pulled you back from it. It feels like you're, you, that the provision was going to come in, and all of a sudden, it feels like God is pulling you back for, from it. In fact, you've been watching other people go ahead of you. You've watched other people being shot forward, and you don't understand that why they're going. If God's favor is upon me, if God's blessing is upon me, why is everybody being shot ahead of me, and I may feel like God is pulling me back. I'm here to tell you the only reason he's pulling you back is because he realizes where you need to go. He realizes the distance that you need to go, and he's estimated already the purpose where he's shooting you to, the target he's shooting you to, the position he's shooting you to, so he has to pull you back in accordance to where he's taking And sometimes you can measure how far God is going to shoot you by the extent that he pulls you back. <laughs> Hallelujah. You hear what I'm saying to you? He's pulling you back on purpose. It's not by accident. He's not holding you back. He's pulling you back to send you forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In fact, in fact, the further he pulls back, the faster the arrow will go. This God will redeem the time. You think that you lost time, but by the time he releases you, God will repay the years the locusts have eaten. The pullback has been ordered. But the key is, can you trust God with the pullback? Can you trust him? Because, because we can shout in here, but it doesn't feel good when you feel like you're being pulled back. <laughs> in fact, you want to know the craziest passage of Scripture that I've ever read? It's Jesus is talking about fruitfulness. He's talking about fruitfulness. And then he says, the vine that produces fruit... He says he prunes. Wait, 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 wait. I'm bearing fruit. And God says, good. Now I'm going to cut it off. Why in the world would you cut something back? In fact, I experienced this one time a while back in my mom's house. And, and we had these rose bushes. And they, were, they were beautiful rose bushes. And one day, we just came back, and the roses were gone. I mean, just a stub. And my mom came home, and she freaked out. She said, what? What did you do? She called him, and she was just going crazy. And the gardener had to say, wait, 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 wait. wait. I, 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 didn't, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't kill it. I just pruned it. Because at some point, you got to prune it. Because as you prune it, it's going to grow larger than it was before. And it's going to bear more flowers than it did before. And he says the reason he pulled it back is to make it grow further and produce more fruit. But the real question is, can you trust the gardener? Can you trust the archer? Can you trust the pullback? Ask your neighbor and say, can you trust the pullback? Because <laughs> for a season it looks like and it feels like you're losing. You're watching the other gleaners glean, 
and they're going from field to field, and they're cleaning it up. And you're sitting here in the, in the one field, and it feels like you're missing out on opportunities everybody else is going for. And it feels like God is holding you back and pulling you back from opportunities. And it could be true in the moment, but if you can trust God with the pullback... And I feel like some of you have been trusting God with a pullback. And God is saying, you're getting written now that you trusted me with a pullback. Ruth, now that you trusted me with a pullback, you're going to get re- now get ready for the release. Because I don't pull back indefinitely. Because right at the right moment, as I pull the arrow back, I'll release it so it can hit its target. So it can hit its mark. So it can reach its purpose. You may be losing out on some gleanings. But you don't understand what God is setting up. Tell your neighbor, say, he's setting you up. He's setting you up for the shot. He's setting you up. You don't understand. It feels like, I know, I know it doesn't feel good in the moment. It feels like you're losing in the moment. But he's setting you up. Because come next harvest, Ruth, the same field you once came to glean in, you're going to harvest from. But in order to gain one, you have to sacrifice the other. In order to glean one, You're sacrificing the gleanings, but what you have to understand is God is about to take you away from the gleanings entirely. And that that issue is not about to be relevant in your life. And sometimes God will take you away from things because they don't have relevance in your life anymore. He'll take it away because he knows where he's taking you. You're not going to need the gleanings for where he's taking you. But it all comes down to one word. And that's trust. Do you trust him with the pullback? And this is what Boaz is really asking Ruth. When he said, will you hear me? Translation, will you trust me? That's why sometimes God is, when he speaks to you, he's like, he's not really saying, will you hear me? He's really asking, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Do you trust the provider over the provision. That's sometimes what God is sort of challenging and asking us when, when he asks us to give. He is sort of testing which one you trust. Can, do you trust the provision or the provider? Are you going to pursue the provision or are you going to pursue the provider? And that, that's the problem also sometimes when we talk about giving is that sometimes we talk about it in the context of the provision and connecting to the more provision and give and it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaking together. All of that's true, but the goal of giving is not to connect you to the provision. The goal of giving is to connect you to the provider. Do you understand what I'm saying? The testimony of Ruth is not that she got connected to the provision. The testimony of Ruth is that she got connected to the provider. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That's the main testimony. Testimony is not that she got the harvest and she got the four gleams and she, she got all the stuff and she got the provision. The testimony of what changed her life is that she cannot, got connected to the provider. That what redeemed her, it was not the provision that redeemed her. It was the provider that redeemed her. And God said, here I am, Ruth, but will you listen? Here I am, but will you trust me? 
Because trust is access. Trust is access. If I gave you the keys to my house, what I'm really giving to you is not keys. What I'm giving to you is trust. And that trust gives you access. If I don't trust you, I'm not going to give you the keys. The keys are trust. The, tree, the, 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 the trust gives you access into my life. Likewise, tr- when you give God trust, what you're, not really giving, what you're really giving him is not just trust, you're giving him access. God said, what, what, what Boaz is sort of trying to get in here, he's trying to come into to Ruth's life, he's trying to enter Ruth's life, but to gain access, he needs trust. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And he's saying the only, the only way I can come into your life is to the level that you trust me. I can go only as far as you're able to trust me. God said I want in, but I can only go, come in to the level of your trust. Really? Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm not barging in. I'm not breaking in. I'm waiting for you to open up the door of trust. And to the extent that you trust me is the extent I can come in. I want to come in and show myself faithful. But the question is, do you trust me? Will you give me access? And because sometimes the problem is that you've been trusting the provision to provide rather than the provider to provide. And God says, I want in, but will you trust me? And that's what giving is about. It's about giving God access to come into your life. And when, when he comes, when, when you give him that place of access, it means so much more than just giving him access to you, where you're receiving money. That's not the biggest thing. Because, because Boaz didn't just come to provide for her life. He didn't just come to give her provision. He came to redeem her. And what's, and what's amazing, and I'm going to close here, is... is you don't realize what's on the other side of trust. I'm going to read uh, verses 15 and 16. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and don't reproach her. Also, let grain from the bundles fall purposely. For her, leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. Look, 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 look. Boaz said, the thing is, Ruth didn't know. She just got up. And when she, when she trusted him, he started whispering to his servants. He said, I want you to pull it out of, the, out, out of what you've reaped. Pull it out. Drop it on purpose. And leave it for her to glean. You don't realize what God has dropped for your life on the other side of your trust. That if you trust him, he will leave things behind on purpose. It looked like it just happened, but nothing just happens. It looked like it's an accident, but there is no accident in God. The steps of the righteous have been ordered of the Lord. And, God, and Boaz said, if you can trust me, I set something up for you on the other side of that trust that you'll only discover as you trust me. 
You don't know who I've been whispering to. You don't know who I've been speaking to. You, things are going to drop in front of you, and you're going to wonder where they came from and how they got there. But in reality, it's God who dropped it there on purpose. And that's the key word there is purpose. Not just gleanings, but purpose. Not just provision, but purpose. Not just a car, but purpose. That's what God wants to give you. That's what he wants to give you. He wants to give you purpose. Hallelujah. This, 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 as you stand up, I want you to say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Hallelujah. I pray this season, may you not find the gleanings. May you find the provider. May you find the Boaz. Because the Boaz is coming to your story. The Boaz is here. The Redeemer is here. The whole story is about to shift. But it's waiting for you to, to access it on the other side of trust. I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit right now. Mm. We trust you, Jesus. I'm not chasing the gleanings anymore. I'm tired of chasing gleanings, running from field to field, from place to place, from stuff to stuff. I'm ready to stop and trust you, to stand and trust you, to trust you in the pullback. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, my God. I'm ready to connect to my Boaz. I'm ready to connect to the provider. That's, that's the shift right there. That's the shift right there. <laughs> that's the shift right there. She was in the same field, but a different trust. Trust will change your life. Trust will change your seasons. That's what shifted. The stuff didn't shift. The trust shifted. And when the trust shifted, her life shifted. Oh, God. We're ready for the shift, my God. We're ready for the heart shift. We're ready for the trust shift, my God. We're ready for you, Boaz. We're ready. We're opening up the door. We're ready for you, Boaz. Come into our life. Come into our circumstance. Come into our situation. Come into our need. My God, and drop purpose there. Drop redemption there. My God, we're ready. We're ready for you to come in. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name.